I just I think it's that's a very personal thing. You know, some people walk fast, some people walk slow, some people talk fast, some people talk slow. I think it's, it's as long as you stay within your sort of bandwidth of sort of biorhythms or pace or natural rhythms or something, I think it's okay. The thing about that I think that is worth watching with golf swing rhythms and stuff is if they change under pressure. I think guys who whose swings have variable tempos, I think, can look a little shaky. Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck back for another Fire Drill podcast. I'm joined on my left by Michael Bamberger. Most importantly, we have on the line from Oz, Jeff Ogilvie. Jeff, thanks for getting up early for this. Absolutely. Been up for a few hours. Wouldn't miss it. <laughs> so you've been you've been watching the uh you've been watching the golf. Tell me tell your impressions of the way the course is playing and what you're seeing out there. Um yeah, firstly the course. I mean isn't it nice to see a golf course set up so well for a golf tournament? Um, greens that are a sensible pace, you know, it shows you that you don't need crazy fast greens to challenge the players. I mean, they're slopey enough greens. Um, they look like there's a little bit of a bounce on it, so it matters where you're coming from. But it's uh, the challenge of the greens, not the challenge of the pace of the greens, I think, which is kind of interesting. Um, and a pretty lopsided draw, it looks like, at this point. Um, which is unfortunate for the guys who played this morning. Um, but JT and um, Fitzpatrick looks like they did the best of it. And they're obviously playing really, really well. I guess it was really, really tough on their side of the draw. They had sort of 24 hours of wind on the other side of that. The boys got pretty lucky, the guys who were playing this afternoon. So um, there'll be a few guys who finished this morning who feel a bit hard done by. But uh, all in all, I think it's pretty interesting. You know, I thought uh, Gil Hans slash Hans, depending on how sophisticated he might be, <laughs> uh, he did say something uh, in the run-up to this, saying, you know, we prefer to compromise the green speeds ver versus compromise the architecture, which I thought was really refreshing because the modern game, they just want to push it to the edge. And especially at these big tournaments, it's almost like the the setup guys. And Kerry Haig's a little better about that, but there's still this pressure to get the green super fast. But, uh, you know, uh, it does seem like a sensible pace, even though they're still pretty darn quick coming down those hills. Uh, but what, what do you what do you think of that philosophy, Jeff? Just to uh, does does it take away from the championship test if the greens are not blindingly fast? No, absolutely not. I mean, I think uh, just because you can get the greens to fourteen or fifteen doesn't mean you should. You know, I mean, we can make cars that go three hundred miles an hour, but that doesn't make it sensible. You know, <laughs> um, it's just if we end up with crazy fast greens, you just end up having to have the, the ball the, the holes on the flat spots. Um, you can't use the interesting pin positions. Um, I think firmness is much more interesting than just out-and-out out blinding speed. So I think, no, I think Gil's completely right. I think you have much more... If you, if you look at all the old golf courses, the great old golf courses, I mean, they're all built with greens that used to run at five, six, seven on the stem, and that's why it's got such sort of wild, crazy greens. It's a shame to sort of flatten those greens just because we can make them crazy fast, I think. They're interesting and great courses because the greens have undulation and interest to them, and and I think you, there's a there's a sensible pace to play all greens. And um, to be honest with you, professionals generally get challenged sometimes when greens are slightly slower than maybe they're used to in a tournament like this. They seem to have a little bit of trouble. I always did. I always preferred the greens a bit faster. So um, 
they look obviously you say plenty fast and there's there's plenty of slope on there to challenge the players but i think a sensible pace for the slopes that you've got i think um is great and as you say kerry and the pga always do a pretty incredible job at setting a golf course up controversy free and interesting and they've got a great template with southern hills and it looks like they've done a perfect job jeff when you watch uh, golf on tv as you've been doing uh, this morning uh do you have the volume on or off uh <laughs> on um it can be interesting there's there's a great there's quite a sort of a large um amount of announcers so there's enough variety there to not get me too frustrated um sometimes <laughs> when you've been inside the ropes when you listen to people talk about golf it can be a little annoying but no nah, it's been great um i usually listen to it on you get a bit of atmosphere obviously when there's a group like tiger and jordan and that out there that's um it's nice to hear the crowd the noise and um the stuff and maybe some of the the, the mutters under the breath when they hit a shot they don't like i think that's all sort of part of watching the game yeah we should mention it's it's late afternoon here in Tulsa. Uh, Tiger and Rory are deep into their back nine. And, uh, Michael, you, you were out there walking. I was there for a bit. I kind of sneaked away to see some other things. But what were your impressions uh, of, of the Tiger-Rory-Jordan group? Well, uh, t- Jeff, tell me your opinion. Jordan Spieth is a wonderful person. I think anybody who's met Jordan Spieth off the golf course would love to be in his company. But to watch that practice swing what you know a hundred or more times per round i think it would drive you crazy after a while but you tell me jeff what what's it like for you watching uh speed make that practice swing and what's it like not in that exact situation but other times when we watch a guy who's got a weird move does it get in your head or what's it like um i'm interested to see what he's trying to do i mean i kind of it's i can't describe it in words i kind of know what he's trying to feel um it is probably strange for people to look at i mean i get frustrated as you said i mean i love jordan He's one of the nicest guys out there. He try, he works so hard. He just wants it so bad, and he will try anything. Um, he's one of those guys. He's not quite Harrington, but he's sort of got that tendency, you know, to just sort of try whatever he has to do to make right. it work. And it's it's interesting at the moment watching him do that. I think I wish he would. Uh, I don't know. He, he's, I loved his swing when he first came out. I mean, sort of people would talk about his like little sort of bent left arm chicken wing sort of thing through the ball, but. I thought he looked fantastic that first few years out the golf course hitting the ball. So um, he's obviously searching and finding a feel. And you can't sort of argue with it. He's played great the last few weeks. He's played great all year, really. He sort of righted the ship, if you like, a couple of years ago. He was really battling with his game and sort of kept grinding and kept grinding. And he's found something that works. And I guess when you find something that works, you just do it. I mean, just because it doesn't look like Sam Snead doesn't mean it's not the right thing for him to do. Um Right, and, and the yeah, swing so itself, like the it's, swing it's, is, it's interesting to watch, but yeah, the swing actually looks pretty much like a Jordan Speed swing. It's really that practice uh, thing. I've noticed Tiger's just staring down the fairway; he's not taking it in. But <laughs> I think McElroy's a little bit like, "What's this guy doing here?" But I really have no idea. When when you watch, are you do you, now? Of course, you're a golf course architect. You're very interested in architecture. It is Southern Hills, but also you know the players. You know what it's like to play at this level. Um, which hat do you think you have on more at, at this point when you're watching? Uh, mostly a player, I think, mm-hmm. in this situation. Um, it, yeah, you just get all the, the the sort of the feels and stuff a little bit from being out there and interested. And I look at all the things that players look like. That the draw, like I said, the lopsided draw is um, mm-hmm. frustrates me. Even not even not even being in the tournament because it's such <laughs> an annoying thing when you get on the wrong side of it. 
Um, and a little bit envious because it looks like a fun place to play at the moment. Um, it's obviously getting pretty hot, but it's an incredible place to play. It, it, it looks fantastic in great shape and a little bit jealous of the guys out there, but um, that's all right. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes the architecture, I mean, it's been very interesting. Um, it looks like you can play from the trees a little bit if you if you've sort of, there's not some crazy rough under the trees. There's, there's been some pretty impressive recovery shots I've seen and the guys who sort of understand angles and they can miss fairways and miss greens on the correct side and they look like they're going okay. And the ones who miss at the wrong spot, they look like they're having all sorts of trouble. So um, it looks a fun place to play and a really fun place to watch golf played, it looks like. Um, I've been enjoying yeah. watching it. Sometimes it's a bit of a sort of a par fest and a bit boring and down the fairway and on the green, down the fairway on the green and just chip outs when they miss. But um, there's most shots here are sort of fun to watch and interesting and there's been great recovery shots and some massive drives. Rory's hitting it so far, it's incredible. So um, And trouble on the greens. I mean, no no one's holding much, it doesn't look like. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just all around enjoyable. Well, and the way the just the way the the fairways fan out in every different direction, it is great for spectating. In that, yeah, uh, when you have those parallel fairways, like at the old course, sometimes you can't get on the inside. And but here, there's so many great views, and it's such a big ballpark. The crowd, it's a huge crowd, but it's nicely dispersed. So it's, I, I was outside the ropes, just wandering around, and you always with the hills and the undulations, you always have a good view, which is nice. But um, Jeff, you mentioned something that that picked my interest about how when they slow the greens down a little bit, it, it can affect you. I saw I saw a tweet. It was about uh, Bernd Wiesberger, who his ball striking numbers are off the charts on the European Tour, but he's not known as a great putter. And someone said, "Well, I think slow greens help the bad putters because they have to really accelerate and they have to hit the ball hard. It's like less of a yippy, delicate stroke and more of really smacking the ball, and it takes some of the the flinch out." Yeah, is there anything to that? And do do bad putters like slow um, greens? I'd almost argue the other way, to be honest. Um, I think the less you have to hit it, I think fast greens when you feel like you can just get the ball rolling, I feel like it's a little bit easier to just sort of be a bit smoother. I think when they actually have to have a hit it, I mean, some of these uphill putts here at Southern Hills, there's obviously a lot of pitch on these greens. Um, they look like they're having a hard time getting the ball to the hole a lot of the time. Um, hitting the ball hard, I think, sometimes is difficult when you're struggling with your putting. Um, I always sort of felt like if I was battling a little bit, a fast green, a fast sort of pure green that you could just get the ball rolling and trickle I always felt sort of maybe a bit easier so look and I think it works sort of both ways I think Wiesberger plays in Europe where they sort of probably normally play slightly slower greens so he might be a little bit more comfortable on slower greens and um, guys who grow I mean I grew up in Melbourne so that's probably why I like really fast greens because we had greens that were probably always just a little bit too fast growing up and then there's other people who grow up in places with really slow greens and they're probably comfortable there so I think it's probably pretty personal um, usually I think pros, if the surface is good, they'll putt well. And if the surface is poor, not that we play on poor surfaces, but you guys know what I mean, sort of those afternoon greens on the power in Pebble mm -hmm. Beach or New York sort of thing, sometimes they can get a bit ropey and that's generally when guys will putt bad. But when the surface is good, most guys out there will make them. Jeff, there's a little bit of a Rip Van Winkle effect for you, I would think, because it's been a while since you've been here and now you're watching on TV. The game's changed a lot, equipment's changed a lot, the ball certainly changed a lot, the size of the golfers. Do you see guys playing specific holes differently uh, uh, today than you did, uh, you know, when we were last here in 2007? A little bit. I mean, it's incredible how, like, Rory hit it in the trees on 
was at five and then just hit it up into the greenside bunker and the hole's like 660 yards. That's, that's hard for me to imagine uh, that anybody can do that. Right. Um, the, the, the length that the ball's gone, 07 was the last time we were there. I mean, 15 years, I guess, has been a long, it's been a long 15 years in this game, um, how far the ball's going now. Or, I mean, there were probably a couple of guys who could hit it 320 or so back then, but now there's a lot of guys who can do it. Um, so I think the length they're hitting it now, um, but mostly I'm just interested because there's a bit more width, some of the fairways, what Gil's done. Um, it's, it's brought a bit more width and a few more angles. So there's guys playing shots for frots from spots that would have been in the rough in 07 um, that are now in the fairway, which I, I'm finding quite interesting. And the rough looks a little bit more playable than it was when we had it back then. So yeah, just really sort of just fanning on the golf course and the, and, and the golf is really not really sort of comparing eras too much. Um, but yeah, the big difference is how far so many of these guys hit it. And there's much more drivers. I mean, we were a bit more conservative, I think. Um, back 15 years ago, we, we sort of, fairway was more of a premium, I guess, or we didn't think we could hit driver quite as straight as they do now. So there's a lot more drivers now and a lot more aggressive and um, probably makes it a little bit more fun to watch a lot of times. I think it's fun. We all love to see a guy have a crack at a sort of a, narrow hole and try to drive it up 50 short of the green and stuff like they're doing with the driver so um all in all probably more interesting but yeah that's the difference just the more aggression and just further mm-hmm. i wonder if the players have changed or the math nerds have won because you know there's all this shot link data where they've kind of proven that it's better off to hit driver and be closer to the green even in if you're in the rough and some players kind of knew that intuitively whether it's you know, Kalkovecchia or maybe you know phil but um, you know, they pretty much have have shown that to be the case in black and white numbers that you just be as close to the green as you can and whether you're in the rough or not is becomes less important. Like, do you think information has changed the way? I mean, Rory's talking about, you know, looking at the, the flyovers and Google Earth and there's so much more ways to break down a golf course before you even get here with the, the, the stat packages and stuff. I mean, is has that fed into maybe the fact that we're seeing more drivers? I think absolutely. I mean, I think... There was for so long in golf, it was just done because that's the way it's always been done. You know, I don't think there'd been too many deep dives into like why we do it this way. It's just like, well, short par fours, we just did an iron and these holes, we hit driver and you never do this and you never do that because it was just, that's the way we've always done it. So we do it that way. And I think guys like Jack and Hogan and, and a few guys sort of probably took a little deeper dive into sort of intuitively trying to work out what worked better. But now within this sort of, what do you, with the Moneyball era or the sort of the analytics era with with all the, the computers and the stats that are all taken now, that's the sort of 20 years of shot link data and stuff we've had. There's just, as you say, the number boffins have just gone crazy and just sort of shown us there's a better way to do it than you've traditionally thought. I mean, that sort of old school thought that we used to have that you'd always lay it up to your perfect yardage on a par five for your wedge and stuff. It's just completely gone now. It's just, you basically hit it as close to, as you can to the hole after every shot, uh, you know what I mean? Because you're going to do better from 100 yards than you are from 110. You're going to be from, better from 110 than you are from 120. And that's pretty sort of linear all the way out. So that was never really the way people thought. We just did it the way we always thought it was supposed to be played. And now it's sort of, we've been shown, as you say, by the stats guys and the numbers guys that, no, this is actually the way you play golf and do this as much as you can. There's obviously exceptions all over the place for that rule, but um, yeah, it's definitely probably one of the more analyzed sports or games that's ever been played. Um, so, and I think 
finally there's people are listening as well and um there's benefit i mean there's instant benefit as i said the shot link era with all the stats and stuff that we get it's provable now it's not just sort of theories and feels and old wives tales and <laughs> it's actual reality fact so um it's, it's a lot easier to buy into something when someone says look you're just gonna you're just gonna be better if you hit the ball here as opposed to here so you're absolutely right if you compare how Bryson played wing foot versus you, uh, you're playing a wing foot. Does that be does that become particularly evident in that kind of comparison? Yeah, well, that's the extreme example, right? I mean, that's um, Bryson took it to the end, to to the absolute end of that um, that week. Just hit it as far as he could and didn't care if he hit it in the rough. And um, there's there's always been a little bit of element of that, to be honest, in the U.S. Open um, because they were always so narrow. Well, they've traditionally been so narrow and it's so dead when you miss the fairway. You might as well miss it. If you're going to miss it anyway, you might as well miss it closer to the green. I mean, so there's always been a little bit of that, but no one ever played it that way, you know. Um, he uh, did that way and we didn't do that. I mean, fairway was a premium for me. I just, it was fairway. It was just fairway at all costs, really, and then work from there, whereas it's not really that now. It's as far as you can at all costs and then work it out. Yeah. Um, so it's absolutely a difference. I don't think, I think there's probably a happy medium in there in the middle somewhere. I think just the extreme, Bryson could do that four or five weeks in a row at Wingfoot and he probably, he wouldn't win every time, you know, because he'd get some really bad lives in the rough and it wouldn't work out. And, and the guy who was ultra conservative, fairway only sort of guy, he would probably never catch Bryson on Bryson's good week. So I think there's sort of a, I think you've got to take a high sort of level overview on all these sorts of things and just, you know, sort of, sort of walk in the middle there somewhere there's there's a lot of different ways to get around a golf course um ultra ultra aggressive to ultra conservative i mean tiger's won a lot of majors being incredibly conservative and that model still probably works around a lot of golf courses so i mean he's won more majors than any of us in the last sort of 20 or 30 years so i think you have to have a look at the way tiger used to approach it and there's a piece there's a piece of mind in your head that comes from being in the fairway all day and playing that way, there's sort of a chaos in your head when you're sort of playing it out of the rough. So, and there's a lot in that, and there's a lot of fatigue in trying to recover on every hole and getting it out of the rough. So, I think there's there's somewhere in the middle there's the sweet spot for everybody. Everyone's is going to be a little bit different, um, but you can absolutely sort of take some take some of the old wisdom and get something out of it, and take the modern sort of science and get something out of that, and sort of find your way around each golf course that works best for you. I love all that. Um, what did you see from Tiger out there, Michael? Well, he really looks to be in pain, and uh, he's hitting some uncharacteristically bad shots. I don't know if you got if you saw the uh, second shot on the par three eighth. Yeah, I couldn't see the lie, but he had plenty of green. Do you happen to see that one, Jeff? Uh, Tiger sure, second shot on, on, yeah. on eighth. Probably very early for you, but um, you know, Tiger has said this many times. Jeff, I'd love to know your opinion of it. That of all the many records he has and the 15 shot wins and all the rest, that that cut streak is the thing that he values so much. And I believe it because I think it really speaks to who Tiger is deep inside him, which is a grinder, someone who's not going to give it up. And we don't know if he's going to make the cut today, but we know he's absolutely going to give it everything he possibly has uh, to do it. But having said, he never looks like there's someplace I'd rather be. Like some guys do look when they're, when, you know, when they could play themselves out of making a cut. They they can see it right on their face. I don't want to be here. Tiger's the total opposite of that, and and I think we could see that on, on his face today. And um, 
He's impassive. He's more impassive now than he really has ever been. Uh, uh, there's yeah. less highs and lows in his emotional life, it seems. I, I wrote this yesterday on, uh, on my, my story for the collective website. Is just it doesn't seem to be that much joy in it for him right now. He's yeah. just he's just trying to get through it. Yeah, and that's admirable. I mean, his yeah. grind and his grit is we all is legendary, but. Even when he makes a birdie, it's almost like, okay, that's one more hole I got yep. in the bank. Like, and um, I, I don't question him being here. You know, he's a golfer. He wants to play golf. He's building towards something, but it, it just seems like it's a lot of work. And uh, he's looking more for relief than joy out there. Yeah, and particularly playing with two guys who do play with a lot of a lot of joy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's kind of a stark contrast. For watching from afar, Jeff, what have you seen out of Tiger? Yeah, I mean, exactly what you guys are saying. I mean, it looks hard work. It looks like a battle of attrition. Um, poor guy. I mean, he's, uh, he's he looks like he's trying as hard as he ever has. And as you said, is there's a sort of that, I wouldn't say resignation on his face, but it's like this is really hard and it's just like one, it's truly one shot at a time. He's just trying to get in the house. Um, and as you said, Michael, the, the cut thing, I always felt, I mean, I was – one-tenth of what Tiger was at making cuts. But I always felt like there's some level, it's total failure missing a cut, especially mm -hmm. in a major. I just, it just burns you and it just sucks. And you've been think you've been working and grinding for this tournament for a long time and thinking about it. And they're the real special ones. And going home on Friday night, is just a total failure. I always felt, and you know, he feels the same way. Um, and a lot of guys do um, regardless of how you're playing. And making the cut, even if you have a poor weekend, you still played four rounds, you're still there on Sunday. It makes a bit of a difference mentally. And you feel like there's some level of success, I think, sometimes when you play four rounds. Um, and he clearly, he's he's got a lot of pride in how he plays and just wants to play well every single week. He's obviously very record conscious and he'd love to, he loves sort of, he'd love to look back and see that he'd only missed a few cuts here and there in majors. And um, it's very important to him. So, I mean, hopefully he can rally here at the end and sort of have a couple of birdies and get in the house. Um, but you feel for him. It's like, Tiger, just take a rest and sit down because it looks like it really hurts playing golf right now. And, um, he doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. Uh, but it's fun to watch him grind. It's just tough to watch him hurt, it looks like. Yeah. Um, what were you going to say, Mike? Well, I was going to – Jeff, if this is a reach, definitely tell me. But <laughs> when you talk about – like Watson used to say, is I hate missing cuts. It, when I miss a cut, it grates on me. Like, it was really emotional. Now, part of it was, and especially in that era, in your era too, you didn't make any money if you didn't make a cut. You came all this way, you rented the house, you got on the plane, you did all this. Now you're making nothing and you're going home. So just, it's insulting to your finances to, to come to a golf tournament and not, not make the cut. With that in mind, do you think it's part of this whole live golf thing, the fact that you're going to make guaranteed money? It is contrary to the very thing we're talking about. Grind it out, make the cut to make a check. Uh, do you think that's going to work against or for Live Golf, or do you think maybe nobody cares in this day and age? Um, I think it's a really cool part. I think the cut and the fact that more than half go home every Friday night and the drunk slamming and, the, as I said, total failure when you don't play four rounds, I think – that is a really interesting and great element of golf. I think Friday afternoon when you're all, when, when you guys and the players and everybody's sitting on the computer and watching the scores come in and cut line watching when it's bam, bam, bumping up and down and stuff, I think that's a really cool part of golf. Um, that being said, I mean, the WGCs and some great tournaments don't have cuts and they're fine. I mean, 
Kapalua this year was pretty compelling tournament without a cut. You know what I mean? So there's a lot in golf. Um, there's a lot of interest in golf with or without cuts. I think it's a great part of it. I would. It would be a massive speculation that I would have no idea that if if that would be any sort of thing that would help make or break a tour like the Live thing. Um, I don't know. I think it's a really, really cool part of golf. And I think that sort of, even though most guys now, especially at this point, are sort of making money off the course, plenty enough pl- plenty enough to pay for their house and their flights and stuff for the week, um, there's still that sort of throwback, that feeling that, yeah, it's a complete waste and I've made no money this week if you miss the cut. And I think that's really cool in golf. Do you need it every week? I don't know, but I think it's a really cool thing. Is it a make or break for a tour if they don't have them? I, I right. couldn't tell you, to be right. honest. I don't know. But it's also you got to talk about the numbers because if you make the cut and you finish last year at the PGA, you're going to make what fifteen or twenty k. And if you finish last in the Saudi events, you're going to make two hundred fifty or three hundred. So right. it's a totally different scale. Right. It's important but to note last that. in a fifty-four hole team event. I don't know. I'm just too old-fashioned. I guess I yeah. can't get. I actually have a hard. I kind of like the team idea, but really, truly, I'm having a hard time getting my arms around it. Yeah, no, just, I'm just grown up on this. No, I agree, but I'm, if you're if you're saying, okay, I'm going to play all eight of the Saudi events, I'm going to finish dead last in each of them. I'm still going to make two million dollars no matter what. Like when you put it like that, that's that that's going to affect your right. thinking, you know. But anyway, but like when Jeff was saying the other day, you know, part of the golfer is a show off. Well, on the flip side, if you don't make that cut, then you've done the opposite of showing off, whatever that is. You know, there's a humiliation factor, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And also, the golfer tends to be a big planner. So, like, I'm planning to play golf this weekend. Now, suddenly, you don't have anything to do. And it's like, now what? <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, but there's also the element that you guys under, you guys see it week in and week out for years, that there is so much stress level of guys trying to keep their jobs and stuff in this game and stress about the cuts and not making the cuts and um, that might actually keep the level down in some respect. Um, obviously, competitiveness sort of raises levels, but there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of sort of stuff that goes in players' heads purely because they're not sure if they're going to keep their job next year. There'd be an element of this with no cuts and guaranteed sort of work this year and next year and the year after that the level might go up in some respects. You know what I mean? So I think if you look at the NBA, it's not like the guy who gets benched and doesn't play for a few weeks, doesn't make any money, you know what I mean? But he doesn't stop trying any harder. He wants to get out in the court, you know? So right. um, no one wants to finish 48th in a field of 48. <laughs> right. And that will feel annoying because you're going to get the asking. So I'm not, I'm not saying that it would, but I'm saying that there'd be an element that would free people up and it would just be sort of showboating. I mean, if you, I've done this a lot of times, obviously, because I'm one of them, but if you get sort of four tour players to go off away from all the spotlights and just go and play a Nassau or somewhere for a hundred dollars, you'd be blown away at how good the, the level is so high. It's unbelievable right. with all the stress off, you know, and all the pressure off. So um, there's a level that I think we sometimes see on tour, but you don't quite see it the same as that free loose. If DJ and JT or something went out and played for a hundred dollars, I mean, with nobody watching, I mean, you'd be blown away at how impressive that would be. So I think there's, you can argue both directions on that one, and I don't. And I think there's probably a time for both, to be honest. So I don't really know, um, really. As I said, I think the stress and the pressure and the sort of trying to keep your job is sort of so fundamental to golf that I think it would be a shame to lose that. But that being said, the other side of that, if you could create situations to get that sort of really loose, free, free swinging sort of talented players doing that, I think you'd see some pretty cool golf too. So. I think there's both ends on that one too. It's true because even as goofy as uh, 
uh, the Skins game was, the old Thanksgiving thing. They were free and loose. They were playing with house money from the get-go. And there was some great shot making uh, in, in those events. And they said, when, now, I don't know this to be true, but when, when, when Tiger really was struggling with the chip yips, uh, they say he'd go home to medalists. He had no problem, chipped the ball beautifully, pitched the ball beautifully. But, you know, get, up, get him to the Phoenix Open, he couldn't hit a chip shot. It's like, that doesn't seem possible, but it's possible because we saw it. I remember a lot. Well, that's both sides too. I mean, do we want to see entertainment? Do we want to see people play as good as they can and sort of show, as I said, show off and be smiling and laughing and not stress too much when they hit a bad shot? Or do we want to see the backs against the wall? I think there's a time for for both. I really do. Yeah, that's interesting. And and that's why we love major championship golf. Like to your point about this golf course, you know, we talked about Bryson playing Wingfoot. To me, it's like you got to start with that pin sheet here. From From what I've seen to this golf course, it's like, yeah, you can play some misses depending on where that pin is. But if that, but if you miss in the wrong place with the pin over here, you got nothing. And uh, uh, and that speaks to Kerry Haig's uh, genius for setting up a golf course. But it really speaks to Southern Hills. I think that pin placement matters so much about whether you can just sort of rip it and, and don't worry about it, like Bryson was doing at Wingfoot that year, um, or actually play a really calculated uh, a round of golf. So. Uh, you can see this golf course requires a lot of intellectual ability, more intellectual ability and planning and chess than than just brawn for sure. Yeah, I love all that. Let's run through a few names on this leaderboard just because. Uh, because Jeff, we have Jeff Ogilvy and he, he's an expert in golf. Correct, and also because I know nothing about <laughs> Mito Pereira. So can you do you know anything about this guy, Jeff, who at this exact moment is leading the PGA Championship with two holes to go? My son has a word for this. Enlighten me. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I don't know probably much more than you guys. I know we'd love him on the International Presidents Cup team this year, um, <laughs> playing really well. No, I don't know enough about him to speak too well about him, to be honest. All right. Next. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Sorry. Uh, yeah. That's so good. Oh, w- Justin Thomas, you know, he hasn't won a major championship in five years, and I know that that bugs him. He, he sees himself as the kind of guy that should be up there all the time. Uh, what do you what do you love about about his game, and what do you think might be holding him back just from winning these most coveted championships? Um, firstly, what's not to love about his game? Um, it's just he hits it great. His short game's great. His putting's great. Um, he's got an he's got that great sort of competitive sort of way about him. I don't know if you get around him when he's in the mix, he's just into it. You know, he's as into it as anyone's. Um, into it. I mean, he's got that sort of intensity when he plays. That's sort of very compelling, I think. Um, and it was interesting at the twenty at the night at the President's Cup back in Royal Melbourne. I was carrying sandwiches for our boys, and um, I was sort of sent out to go out in JT's group, JT and Cam on the in the singles. And um, I had I knew he was good and I I was on tour obviously playing a lot when he came out and I, I he was a good young player but he impressed me so much I just I was blown away by how good he was he was just way better than I imagined and I it was he, he looked like the best golfer in the world to me in 2019 and I've just been a massive fan ever since and yeah I think um yeah you said he hasn't won a major for 5 years that's, that that's that's kind of a compliment because he has won a major, you know what <laughs> I mean? And he's still very young. Um, I don't think any holds him back. I mean, I think the holds him back is there's just a lot of good players now. I mean, back in days gone by, we would have had, um, you know, Jack and Lee and Tom and 
a few guys to win. And then the nine is like Faldo, or who's going to win Nick or Greg or, you know what I mean? Um, but now there's 20, 30, 40 guys that start up every week. It's like, why doesn't this guy win more majors? Why doesn't this guy win more majors? I mean, mm. it's just so many of them. I just think that they're really hard tournaments to win. He's clearly going to, well, you imagine it, it seems inevitable that he's going to win more than one. Um, be fantastic if he wins another PGA. I think it's really, really cool when um, a guy who's, dad's been a member of the pga for a long time and he's a long time pga member i think there's there's a real sort of pride in that um in the pga and that organization i think it's really really cool when a guy who sort of comes up as part of the family wins a pga um i think that would be really cool but i don't think anything holds him back except for it's just really hard to win majors and i think um it's inevitable that he wins more and hopefully he wins a bunch because I th- I sort of admire his game and I love the way he goes about it. So he's in good shape. He's probably playing the best in the field at the moment because he, he's leading the field from his side of the draw by right. three shots and um, that side of the draw seemed quite a lot harder than the, the, the guys that are out mm-hmm. there in the afternoon today. So um, it's just going to be fun to watch on the weekend. He's great when he plays well. What are your thoughts about JT? Well, well you know... Uh... His swing is fast. You know, I, I've wondered uh, as he gets bigger, you know, he's so slender. He's strong, but he's he, he's slender. Uh, he's sort of slender like 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 Jeff is. Uh, uh, it's such a fast swing. And I don't I mean, I'm not qualified to say what I'm about to say. But I, when you swing that fast day in and day out, I wonder if does your body want to swing that fast day in and day out? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like Ernie, it seems to me that kind of swing or a VJ swing or even tiger, you know, or early in his, early in his career, or even tiger. Now it seems like, uh, you can get your, you take your time, get yourself in position and then figure it out on the way down. But he's so, so to yeah, but those, seem, those, those guys are all big dudes and JT's this tall. So, yeah. I mean, there's something he's going to keep up. He's got to do something a little different, right? Well, there is the downswing too. But, uh, I guess it was big, yeah. but I really don't know what I'm I talking about. I think fast. I mean, fast swings have worked the right. I mean, Hogan did okay with a pretty fast yes. swing. I mean, Nick Price. Watson, Watson yeah. did okay with a pretty fast swing. I mean, I, I mean, John Rahm's doing pretty well with a pretty fast Ooh. swing. Like, wow. I don't know. I That's just think it's wild. Very, I can't even watch that. It's so fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, I think it's that's a very personal thing. You know, some people walk fast, some people walk slow, some people talk fast, some people talk slow. I think it's, it's as long as you stay within your sort of bandwidth of sort of biorhythms or pace or natural rhythms or something, I think it's okay. The thing about that I think that is worth watching with golf swing rhythms and stuff is if they change under pressure. Uh-huh. I think guys who whose swings have variable tempos, I think, mm-hmm. can look a little shaky, you know. Um, but his seems to be pretty consistent. He does go at the ball very hard. Mm-hmm. But that's the modern way. That's what they do. So um, I think his action's really good. I think he just he, – that's his rhythm. And, and and I think Alan's point is really good. Small guys generally swing it pretty fast, maybe because they need to, or it just seems to be the way it is, or their arms are shorter and everything's shorter, so it looks yeah. like it gets there faster, you know? <laughs> yes, I don't know. Ernie's, the... Ernie's took forever to get to the ball, right? Right, yeah. Right. So, it's just that that's that short guy attitude, maybe. But uh-huh. um, what what? Let's talk about Roy for a minute because he obviously played a beautiful round yesterday. He's he's struggling today. He's, he hasn't shot himself out of it by any means, but uh, he, he just hasn't been able to get it going today. And um, you know, Michael and I talked about Roy last night in our little fire drill podcast. So we just want to hear your voice about Jeff. You know, obviously in the last eight years, he's won everything he can win in golf with the Players Championship and race to Dubai's and FedEx cups and a dozen regular tour events, but 
of course, these are the ones he wants the most, and he can't quite get there. So what is your take on where Rory is at age 33 and, um, you know, this week, this how this test matches up with, with his skill set? Well, I mean, I think his skill set works out pretty well everywhere, I would think. I mean, of all the players I've played with, most of the guys still up there, all the great players the last however long, he's probably the most impressive guy when he's playing his best um, when you're out there with him. Probably has as much respect from the from the driving range or the locker room as anybody else has for a really long time. I mean, he's just clearly just in there, just total class every i mean up and down um so i think and again as i said it's 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 tough i mean there's a lot of stress living like number one in the world basically his whole career or right up there it's a tough place to be um and he puts a lot of pressure on himself i guess these are hard tournaments to win these big majors he, he sort of fast-tracked his first few you know did it really sort of easy early a bit like jordan like you know what i mean um and then it's it's been tough for him, I guess, in the big ones. I don't know. I mean, I love watching him play. I think he can play Southern Hills clearly really well. He's playing really aggressively. He seems to be hitting a lot of drivers. Um, if you're going to have a bad day in a golf tournament, I think day two is not the worst day to have it. I think it's great to get off to a good start. I think it's tough to win a tournament when you have a bad day on Saturday. You clearly don't win when you have a bad day on Sunday. I think if you're gonna if you want to have that loose day, um, you have it on you have it on Friday. And I think he'll go to sleep with sort of a point to prove tomorrow, you know, whereas if you sort of carry the lead all week, we all know how hard that can be and it's stressful and it wears you out. He sort of goes under the radar now a little bit after being sort of top of the leaderboard yesterday. Um, maybe sleeps a little better, comes out. He's always been amazing when he's behind. I mean, his final round scoring average in majors is, I don't know what it is, but it, you guys would know it must be really low because he seems to go low on Sundays every single time. Um, I think he's in great shape. I, I, I imagine it feels like he's going to win more majors and some more big tournaments because he's just too good not to. Like he's just, it's just going to be almost hard not to win some as good as he is. So everybody loves Rory. I mean, I think everybody would love to see him to win another one. I don't know. I mean, I guess golf's hard. Like it's just hard to win all the time. You know, we got so spoiled with Tiger and with the best golfer in the world winning pretty much at will and whenever he wanted. It's like that's once or twice ever you know we've had jack and tiger be that guy you know and rory's kind of a bit more normal so who knows but i think he's in good shape this week i think it's a good course for him he seems to be sort of up and about i think when he left augusta this year he would have been very very um jaunty and bouncy sort of walking out of the locker room there after sunday and very excited about his sort of future because of how sort of how happy he would have been and how exciting that finish was and how sort of confidence building that would have been so not surprising to see him sort of back it up, play well in the next major. And, you know, hopefully for Rory fans that he can have a good weekend. That's great. Um, if there's any other names that interest you, otherwise we, we could bring this podcast to a close. But, uh, you know, Bubba Watson is going crazy out there. He's six under on the day. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, who loves these, these tough golf courses. Stuart Sink, who's, you know, as old as I am, maybe older. Um, it's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, Stuart Sink's unbelievable. Um, love that guy, but yeah, it's an eclectic leaderboard. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a fun weekend. So, um, Jeff, thank you as always for your time. I think we're going to try and get the band back together Sunday night when it's over, and we can we can uh, stop speculating and pontificating, and we can really talk about what actually happened, which will be a delight. But uh, as always, we appreciate your insight. 
Michael, any uh, any final words? Yeah, well, you said it all, Alan, and you said it well. <laughs> all right. This is Alan Schiffnack <laughs> for Michael Bamberger, Jeff Ogilvy. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening to this uh, Fire Drill podcast. Oh, wait. Parpoints. I got to thank our corporate oh, sponsors. Parpoints. Our, our great friends at Parpoints, the coolest golf app ever invented. We've been talking about it all week. We love Parpoints. I would really encourage you guys to <clears throat> check it Jeff, out. Jeff, have you met these Parpoints guys, <laughs> Kevin and Brandon? No, he's not Australian. I haven't like not, him. no. It doesn't matter. These guys travel. Well, first off, they're members of Prairie <laughs> Dunes. The one guy is really good, and the other guy is nearly as good. And uh, they're very chill. <laughs> Sounds good. Look forward to it. <laughs> you didn't have to make it weird, Michael. You didn't have to make it weird. Jeff, did that, was that weird, Jeff? <laughs> not for me. Was it weird for you? I liked it. <laughs> All right. On that note, let's let the listeners go. Uh, but anyway, this was fun. We'll do it again. That's all from uh, Southern Hills Golf Club. Oh, no, Country Club. Yeah, big time Country Club. We saw the pool. The pool's we got a slide. slide. <laughs> it was amazing. The bocce courts, the bowling, the billiards. Yeah, very much a Country Club. Uh, uh, Jeff, I, I, got, I made one interesting observation of Curtis Strange the other day. We were talking about, like, who gets good at golf. And, like, what are the chances of me saying anything to Curtis Strange that he hasn't heard? So I said to Curtis, you know, you give me someone who's good at billiards that can make free throws, and you can make that guy good at golf. And Curtis says, yeah, that's actually true. <laughs> Eye-hand coordination Curtis helps a lot. It does help. <laughs> uh, all right. What's, uh, your, what's your best <laughs> sport, like, that shows eye-hand coordination? Are you good at darts? Are you good at uh, free throws? Billiards? No, basketball, terrible. Really? I hit the ball. Tennis, I can hit the ball yep. pretty well. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Basketball, hopeless. Okay. Never played. I was a bit more of a runner, but that's not hand-eye coordination, is it? <laughs> that's uh, Billiards, I, I was a pool. I was always good after like two beers and then really bad <laughs> after that. It's pretty normal, though. Yeah, that is normal. <laughs> <laughs> so you, we can tell that Michael's enjoying his new role as a prolific podcaster. He'll never let us end the podcast. He just keeps going. I've already said, I've already ended this podcast like three times. You're right. I'm sorry. No, I, I think people are enjoying I'll it. I'll do better. <laughs> okay. That's it. It's a wrap. We'll do it again Sunday. Thank Bye. you, Jeff. Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired 